implemented something or started a project only to wish that you could go back and redo it. Kind of like the start of our service. <laughs> Obviously, if you're watching this on the, the, the YouTube video, you missed out. I'm not going to try to uh, show you what happened, but uh, I found myself in that situation a lot in the last six weeks. Uh, the very first message that we sent out to everybody was just an audio recording. And uh, as I was sitting there listening to it on Sunday morning, just like possibly you were, I realized that there was something missing. We got to about the first point of the sermon, there was this awkward transition, and then there was the, the conclusion. And about, about the second, third point, we're completely missing, which nobody seemed to mind. <laughs> People said, they, they wrote their call and said, that was really good. I think you're trying to get the idea talked less. Uh, I don't know, we'll see if we can do that today. Uh, but I started learning, and even last, I'll, I'll go back for example, uh, last Sunday, if you watched the Sunday School uh, lesson, uh, we were talking about Romans Road, and there was this point where uh, there's this big gap, and I'm, I'm looking all around my office, I'm trying to find one of these, and I'm thinking it's okay, because no one can edit this out, so I can take all day long, I can sing a song, it doesn't matter, and then as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh no, this is in there! <laughs> supposed to be gone. Well, I learned over the last couple of weeks that I need to go back and watch it all before you, before somebody else gets to see it. And as, as I, I, I told Lauren, I said, uh, playing my guitar, I practiced, I played like four times before it actually went on YouTube. I told him, if I'm going to do that in the future, I'm going to record it on Saturday, and you're going to have to watch it up there, because I just want it right. Um, well, while my wife and kids were doing their parts for the service, we had fun with it. And all of a sudden, we're laughing when we're not supposed to be laughing. No big deal. We do it over. Uh, we're stuttering. We're, we're having sorts of, all sorts of issues. We just do it over. Even during the message that I did, um, week after week, uh, I would record part and think, you know what? I don't like that. GoPro capture, stop. And I would redo it. And, and so it, it just was about the, the best that you're ever going to get. Today is not going to be even like that. It is what it is. Obviously, like the songs at the start. At the start. But you know what? Life really isn't like that. You can't go back and redo and edit out and change what you have already done. And possibly from that, from experience, uh, that when you when you screw up, it is the way that it is, and people are not willing to forgive you. Uh, maybe you were working at a, at a job and. You showed up late one too many times, and you wish that you could go back and, and get back on time. And the boss says, Josh, you're fired, because I'm not putting up with it anymore. If I could just get back to my alarm clock and plug it in instead of trusting the battery. Uh, or maybe you had a relationship in life, and you get in a heated discussion, and you say something that you regret saying. And all of a sudden, the relationship is done. And, all you, and, and people won't forgive you, and they won't move move on, you can't go back, and you cannot take it back. And the, all, all the best that you can hope for is in life when you screw up, is that the people who saw you screw up are willing to forgive you and to move on. And that's a lot like what sin is like. Whenever I do something, or say something, or think something that I shouldn't do, there is no going back. I can't erase that. I can't change that. I can't even fix that. But thankfully, there is an option out there, and it's called forgiveness. And that's something that God is willing to do as many times, as often times as it takes, is He is willing to forgive us. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that solution to sin, um, because we are all sinners, as we're going to see today. 
are going to see that Jesus is the solution to sin because he uh, died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have forgiveness. Before we dive into the text, I would like to pray and ask God's blessing on this, uh, and then we'll look back into it. Dear God, I thank you so much for your, your grace. I thank you, God, so much for your forgiveness. And even for a sense of humor, God, that even if we don't do things exactly right, like the YouTube program started out, God, that you are okay with that, and you are willing to forgive, and you are willing to move on. God, I thank you for your words that we can put confidence in, uh, that you're going to do what you said that you're going to do. And I pray that we would believe that and trust that. God, I just pray that I would be able to share that clearly. God, I know my words don't mean anything. They're, they're just... They're just words, God, that your Holy Spirit can take them and make them mean more. So that's what I'm praying that you would do with this message today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 1, uh, verses 8 and 10, first of all, we're going to see is that we all sin. It says, verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. The Apostle John, who's writing this, is lumping himself in. He's throwing himself with the rest of us who can say that we are all sinners. And I think that's something that pretty much everybody in here is willing to admit that, yes, I have done something wrong. Uh, and if you're not willing to admit that you've done something wrong, I will admit it for you. You have done something wrong, right? Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when you think of sin, you're probably thinking of things like the Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't murder. Right? Those are the big sins, uh, the kinds of things that we're not supposed to do. They obviously are sins. But in James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, To him who knows the good he ought to do, and he doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So yes, doing the things that I shouldn't do is wrong, but not doing the things that I should do is wrong. So that means that during this, this time of crisis uh, around the world, if God puts it on your heart to, to fill up a box of food and take it to your neighbor or somebody down the street and you don't do it, what is that called? It's called sin. If God puts it on your heart to hey, I need to go tell somebody about Jesus, and I say, you know what, I'm too afraid to do that, I'm not going to do that, what is that called? Sin. If God says, Josh, you're in the middle of a project, your neighbor needs help, I want you to go over there and help that person with their project instead of your own, and I don't do it, that is called, it's called sin. So doing what I shouldn't do is sin, not doing what I should do is sin. And in some form or fashion, we all fall into this category of being a sinner. Now, if you happen to be the person who says, you know what, I've done nothing wrong, uh, it says in verse 8 that you are deceiving yourself. You are tricking yourself. If I claim to be without sin, I deceive myself and the truth is not in me. Now, anybody can make a claim about anything, right? I'm, I'm going to make the claim right now in front of you all that I can hold my breath for five minutes underwater. How many people believe me? Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I'm going to show you this is how I can hold my breath if I get underwater. I did tell my wife today because she didn't know I could do that. My kids are still wondering how in the world can I do that? How am I going to show you here at church? Here's how I'll do it. Now, I take my balloon. What is it full of? It's full of my breath, and I can hold it underwater for five minutes. Okay? 
Anybody can claim anything. I can claim that I'm a cowboy. I can claim that I'm a Cowboys fan. I can claim that I'm not afraid to jump out of an airplane. Anybody can claim anything. Now, we talked about last week, you will ultimately prove your true colors by your actions. Now, if you take me and you hold my head under water for five minutes, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to drown because I really cannot hold my breath for five minutes underwater. If you took me up in an airplane, gave me the greatest parachute, and you got me to the edge, and you said, hey, Josh, jump, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang on the airplane, I'm going to grab you and throw you out. Because I am afraid to jump. I, it's true, I, I'm afraid to jump. So anybody can claim anything, it doesn't have to be true. If I claim that I am without sin, um, you know, if somebody claims that they're without sin, you don't have to hang around the great wall to realize that they have indeed sin, that they are not perfect like they think. Because you are smart enough, and your, your, your ears and your eyes will blow enough to be able to determine that they are a sinner. They are only fooling themselves, not you, and certainly not God. So if we claim to be without sin, we are deceiving ourselves. If we claim to be without sin, we are making Jesus out to be a liar. Uh, 1 John 3, 5 says, uh, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away sin, and in him, uh, or take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So if somebody's claiming that they haven't sinned, and Jesus is, the Bible claims that Jesus hasn't sinned, who are you going to believe? I hope you say, I'm going to believe Jesus, that he is indeed without sin. And a lot of people don't like to admit that they've done something wrong. And so they don't. But they will justify or they will give an excuse for why they did what they did was really okay. Uh, someone might give the excuse of, of, of why it was okay to take something that didn't belong to them. Because somebody owed them something. So that makes it okay. I wasn't stealing. I was just making it fair. Or somebody owed, uh, somebody took my stuff, so I'm going to take theirs, but it really wasn't stealing. Or somebody will, will justify uh, instead of saying unwholesome talking about my mouth, they will justify and say it was okay for me to call that person this, or to say these words, or to let those words come out of my mouth because they're not taking ownership, they're not taking responsibility, they're just claiming, uh, they're making the statement that it is okay for me to do this because of X, Y, Z, but I really didn't do anything wrong. And if we're not willing to admit that we have done anything wrong, if we are perfect, or if we think we're perfect, uh, John says that it, his word has no place in our life. There's no point to reading and trying to obey what this Bible says if we're not going to admit that we need a Savior. Because even if we follow everything in the Bible, that we don't lie, we don't steal, we don't cheat, uh, that doesn't impress God at all. We might be moral people in the eyes of people, but God just sees us as a sinner in need of a Savior. So it's important that we're willing to admit that we are sinners, and then do something about it. Now the reason John is bringing this up isn't because he's just trying to make everybody feel good. Uh, saying that if we claim to be without sin, it's kind of like saying we are all sinners. He's not just trying to make everybody who hears this feel good that, you know, your sin really isn't that bad because everybody else is doing the same thing. Which people kind of like to do if they want to, they want to make themselves feel good by seeing whoever else has done the same thing. He's not trying to, to make you feel like completely weighed down with guilt and shame, as if I have nothing I can do about this. He doesn't want you to just feel downtrodden and beat down because you have done wicked things, because you have done sin. What he's trying to do is to give 
his readers or the people who's listening to him the understanding that we cannot take our sin lightly. It really is a big deal in God's sight. That we are all sinners, but ultimately that there is a solution to that sin. If you happen to sin, then you have an option of, of something you can take care of uh, with it. So the first thing is that we all sin. I will admit that I am a sinner. Okay, I am Oh, I, I hate to admit that, you know, but there's just, I told Darren a little bit about my attitude last night at, at Noah for something. Guess what I was doing? I was not, I was sitting in my opinion. I feel like I had to, I just have to admit that I'm a sinner. But what do I do with my sin? If I want a solution to sin, I have to confess my sin. First John 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purifies from all unrighteousness. So to confess means to say the same thing as, it's coming to the point in your life where you agree with God that what you did was wrong, that it was disgusting, that it was terrible, that it was hurtful, that it was mean, that it was wrong. And it would be nice if, if everybody recognizes that they're a sinner and that they're willing to confess. But people don't like to confess. People don't like to confess because, first of all, I have to admit that I did something wrong. Uh, you think about, uh, and this is something that every, everybody knows, even from childhood. Something happens at school, and some, one bad thing happens, everybody says it wasn't me, even if it was them, right? Everybody's in that same boat. And it started at creation. Uh, God created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, that paradise, everything was perfect. And then what happened? Adam made this fruit, and then Eve ate this fruit. And then God came down to talk to him about this, and what did Adam do? He says, it was the woman you gave me. She's the one who made me eat it. What did she do? She said, it was the serpent. I'm not really guilty. It was somebody else's fault. Because nobody wants to admit that they themselves are the one who did something wrong. Um, it's hard to confess because really when you confess something, you're supposed to stop doing it. Whatever sin that is, if I confess to God that I did it, it's not just making things right and then I just go on my way and it's okay if I do it again. I'm supposed to stop if I did it. And it would be a lot easier, as your quote Bolton says, uh, sin wouldn't be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. A lot of times when we sin, we can get away with it. I mean, God doesn't strike us. We, we don't get any kind of immediate consequence for things that we do wrong, maybe down the road, maybe not, but I, I don't get it immediately. So it's harder to confess because, well, I got away with it. Maybe I can do it again. I mean, and people want to get away with it. Um, and, and most of the time we sin is because we, we like our sin. You know, uh, you think about um, a kid who doesn't like veggies. How, how many of those kids who don't like veggies are tempted to eat carrot? I don't think any of them are, right? Um, if, 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 I'm, if I'm tempted to lie, then I'm, I'm going to go that route. I'm not going to kill somebody if I'm not tempted to do that. But if I'm tempted to lie, I'm going to want to do that. James 1.14 says, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. I have my own set of sins that I enjoy, that I shouldn't do, and that's what I'm tempted to do. You have your own citizens that you are prone to want to do, and those are the ones that you have to struggle with, and you have to decide, I'm not going to do those things. But people get away with it. They, they like their senses so that they want to keep doing it. 
It's hard to confess our sins because uh, sometimes because we just feel guilty. You know, how many, how many people have only committed that one sin one time? I think everybody, including myself, can say, you know what? I, I did it once. I did it again. I'm about 41 years old. I've done that sin numerous times, or lots of sins numerous times. And I'm, I'm really guilty to say, you know what, God? I'm coming back to you again. I, I, I did X, Y, or Z again, and I'm, I'm asking for forgiveness. And some, some people get to the point of saying, I'm not going back to God again. It's just too embarrassing to do that. You know, you think about if I had to go to my wife well, as many times as I've, as I've had to go to God, I, I think I, I, I would just struggle with doing that. The Bible talks about how we need to forgive seven times seven, right? Multitudes of times. And God has to do that for everybody in the whole world. And then like me, I'm like, boy, I, was, I gotta go tell God again. And some people will just give up. They say, I'm not going to tell, confess their sins to God anymore. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep going back to God. Keep trying to make it right. Keep trying to stop what you've done wrong. You know, I've never uh, been on a diet really before, um, thankfully, but I know people who have. And I, um, and I know, I've seen the temptation, or I've seen the struggle, and I've heard the struggle of people who, they get on a diet, and they, they say, I'm only going to eat the green stuff. But then before they go, they stuff some chocolate in their mouth. Oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. And so some people will just beg the rest of the day. <laughs> I've already screwed up my diet. I'm just going to eat whatever I want the rest of the day. I've, I've found myself in this category where I've been determined I'm going to start a new routine. And it's usually a routine that I don't like. Like get up early in the morning and then read my Bible. And then, which read my Bible I like to do, but getting up early in the morning is not my thing. And then I'll do it for three or four days, and then I'll screw up. And man, I forgot to get up, or I hit the snooze, and it's and I never it never went off again, right? And so I'll do a good job for a couple of days, and then I'll, I'll screw up a day or two. I want to just throw the whole bed towel in. I don't want to do it anymore because I've screwed up. Don't it's like with sin. If you screwed up and you told that lie again, or you thought that thought, or you said that thing, don't say, oh well, I'm gonna just bang it. Say, okay, today's a new day. You know, God's mercies are new every day. Get on, get up, and try again. Uh, just as if you were trying to start at that diet, you're trying to start that new routine, you just gotta get back up and keep going. And the reason we can do that is because God wants to forgive us. It says, uh, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins. God is faithful to keep his promises. In Jeremiah 31, verses, uh, chapter verse, Chapter 31, verse 34b, it says, For I will forgive your wickedness, and I will remember your sins some more. Whether that's the first time you did it, or whether that's the hundredth time that you've done it, God is willing to forgive you. To forgive means to let go. Um, God let go of our sins, and he remembers them no more. Uh, the same word that's used for forgive, and this passage is used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 20, when Jesus called his disciples to come with them. What did they do with their debts? Did they drag them with them the whole time they were with Jesus in case they got another body of water? Or they got hungry and they want to throw it out and go fishing? No. Wherever they dropped them, that's where they laid. Whether at their dad's feet, whether right on the seashore, wherever they dropped those nets, they left them. And they kept walking with Jesus. And that's the same idea with our sins. God lets it go. He leaves it. He doesn't drag it. He doesn't keep reminding us of it. He, he separates it as far as the east is from the west. 
That's how God forgives. And it says he will purify us and cleanse us from all righteousness. Now, to, to purify it means to cleanse, to make clean. You think about when you're cooking dinner, or you're eating that really yummy dinner that your, your spouse made, or you cook for yourself, and you, you spill on that shirt. Oh, man, what do you do? You run to the wash. You spray with spray wash of some sort, and you throw it in the washing machine. It comes out, and hopefully, it's brand new, right? It's clean, that stain is completely gone. But sometimes there's like a little mark that that stain is still there. Right? This is the kind of purification that that stain is going to be gone. When Jesus paid for your sins, God washes you white as clean as snow. That stain on your, on your soul that the God can see is completely gone. Now this is all well and good. Uh, he, I can have my sins forgiven. God is faithful. He's willing to, to uh, purify. He's willing to forgive. But this is all contingent on one little two-letter word. What is it? If. If you're willing to confess our sins, then he's willing to forgive us. It's, it comes down to if you're willing to do your part in order for God to do his. Some examples. Uh, hunting the garden. Uh, if you want to plant it after the, the rains come, your kids say, hey, Dad, are you going to plant the garden today? What are you saying? If it rains, then we're going to plant the garden. If it doesn't rain, guess what we're not going to do? Plant the garden. It has to rain first. Uh, if the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl, I will watch the Super Bowl. Don't tell me that I won't watch the Super Bowl. If they go, I will watch. But if they don't go, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not watching the Super Bowl. If I propose to my girlfriend, I propose marriage to my girlfriend, then she will accept. But if I don't propose to my girlfriend, she can't accept, right? You get the idea. If this, then this. If we are willing to confess our sins, then we will have our sins forgiven. Just a little quick side note. How many people here love to confess their sins? Nobody does. Okay, I see a little girl in the hand, she's a little baby, she's like, oh, this, I really don't have anything to confess. <laughs> it's great. Um, anyway, uh, you know what? If you don't want to confess your sins, 1 Corinthians 10 13 tells us don't sin. Uh, it says, with, with every temptation that we are facing, God will provide a way out. So if you don't want to confess your sins, don't do them in the first place. Look for that little exit sign. The, the words want to come out of your mouth? Put your hand out of your mouth. You don't, you don't want to um, go, whatever it is that you're going to do, look for the exercise. If you have something in your life that's going to cause you to sin, the Bible talks about cutting it off and throwing it away. You won't have that temptation anymore. You get rid of it. So if you don't want to sin, um, confess your sins, don't sin in the first place. So we are all sinners, and if, if we want to have our sins forgiven, we must confess our sins. Uh, we must follow God's solution to our sin. And it's possible because Jesus paid the price for our sins. First uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. In the King James, it says he is our advocate. An advocate is one who speaks in the defense of somebody else, especially in a legal setting. 
If you've ever watched the movie where they have the, the crime scene, or they have the, uh, the courtroom, you have the jury, you have the person up on the stand and scared to death that they're going to get the life sentence. When you have the prosecutor who's saying this person did this, you have the defense attorney who says, you know what, my client is innocent, and you have the judge and the jury who are going to decide what is your guilty and what your punishment is going to be. Well, I am the person who is sitting on trial. Satan is my prosecutor. He's the one who's trying to convince the judge and jury, which is God, that I am guilty of a sin, and Jesus is my defense attorney. And Jesus is defending me, and like a courtroom, so to speak, to say Josh is innocent. And how, why, how can he say that? Well, what does he say? You know, I think I picture him saying something like this. You know what, prosecutor? You know what, judge? You see these holes in my hands? You know what these are? These are proof that Josh's sins are paid for. I got him on that cross. I paid for those sins. Josh's sins are paid in full. So Josh is innocent. He confessed his sin. I already paid for that. And so now he gets to go free. And Jesus can do that because he is our atoning sacrifice. Atoning means a cover or a covering. Jesus is our covering sacrifice, which in the Old Testament, uh, the, the people had to make sacrifices. When they did something wrong, they would, they would have to sacrifice a goat or a bull um, in order to make things right with God. And that those, those bulls and goats that were sacrificed did not take away the sins of the people. But what they acted like were a covering uh, over, over those people that they were forgiven in God's sight uh, until the time when the ultimate sacrifice was going to be made in Jesus. Uh, when, they, when they offered that sacrifice, they were admitting that they were sinners, that they deserved to die because of what they did wrong, but they had their faith in God that he was going to forgive them. That animal died in their place, and, it, and their faith in God guaranteed that they were going to have forgiveness. And God was just. God was fair. He didn't hold those sins against those people at that point. In Romans chapter 3, verses 25 to 26, it says, God presented him as a sacrifice as a, of atonement, or as a covering, because that's what Jesus was for us. He was our covering to say that we are innocent in God's sight uh, through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So really what he was doing was he, he didn't deal with sin, until the point where Jesus died on the cross and paid for those sins. Those people who put their faith in Jesus, or put their faith in God, were the ones who had uh, had their sins forgiven. Just like it is today, we put our faith in Jesus for salvation, we put our faith in Him to save us from our punishment, for our sins, we have that forgiveness. Those people back then, who didn't put their faith in God for forgiveness, are the same as people today. They are still dead in their trespasses and sins. And who did Jesus do this for? It says in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price for everybody who has ever existed, for every sin that they committed in the past, whatever they might do today, and whatever lies in the future, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. But that doesn't mean that everybody is going to be saved. Uh, that's, that's, there's a universal view that 
people take that verse and say, well, you know what? Everybody gets to go to heaven because Jesus paid for the sins of everybody. How can they go to heaven if Jesus... How can they go to hell if Jesus already paid for their sins? Well, it's kind of like an illustration that I heard once. Uh, anybody over here get a check anymore? I know a lot of things in this life are automatically deposited into your bank account, but if you do get a check from work, um, you get something that's there's a little, you have 180 days in order to cash this check, otherwise it's going on the way. And it's kind of like the way it is with salvation. God paid the price for our sins. You have a check, you have to guarantee that these funds are going to be yours, this salvation is going to be yours, if you're willing to sign your name to that check. But there's only so much time to do it. You might have 180 days. You might have 50 years left to do that. You might have three hours to do that. To sign your name to that check, to have that salvation that Jesus is going to, that Jesus offers you. The price has already been paid. Have you accepted that price that was paid for you and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior so that you can have eternal life? We are all sinners. We have all done things wrong. I, I know a number of us. Uh, we say we put our faith in Jesus for salvation. And I want to encourage you, if you have sinned in your life that you feel like, boy, that's just really weighing me down. I feel defeated by this. I don't feel like I can go to God anymore. I want to encourage you to keep going. God is faithful. God is promising to forgive you if you are willing to confess it. It's a guarantee. If this, if you confess, then you will have forgiveness. So take him up on that promise that he wants to give you forgiveness. Stop carrying that guilt, that shame any longer. But if you're here and you're not saved, you need that forgiveness. You need to, to, to admit what you already know and that God has seen your whole life that you have done things that you shouldn't have done. And that is called sin. And God wants to forgive you and to make things right between you and him to have that fellowship with him. But you have to do your part in order for God's part to count towards you. So I just want to close with prayer. And first of all, I want to thank God for the forgiveness that he offers. That he offers me. Because I sin all the time that God's going to forgive me. And then I'm going to pray. And if you want to ask God to forgive you for the sins that you have done. And to trust him as your Savior. I just want to encourage you to pray along with me. Let's pray. First, first of all, God, I just want to say thank you uh, for the forgiveness that you promised, that you guarantee this, this passage of Scripture. If we confess our sins, God, that you are willing to forgive us. And God, you know that I need that every day. God, I, I'm not by any means close to being perfect. And God, I thank you that you are faithful and just to keep your promises, to keep your word of forgiving me as long as I ask you to. And God, I pray that you can help me to do a better job of finding that exit door, to find the escape route so that I'm not walking in sin, so that I can have that fellowship with you on a regular basis. Now, God, I want to pray, and just a sample prayer of what we can pray for, for trusting you for salvation. And God, if somebody's in here and they don't know this Savior, I just pray that please you put it on their heart that they need to trust you. God, I'm a sinner. Uh, I heard it today from the Word. Uh, you know that I've that I've done lots of wrong things, God, and I want to make it right with you. I don't want to rely on my own good works. I don't want to rely on anything else but you to save me uh, from my sin. So I just, I just am trusting you, God, to forgive me because I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me from the punishment of my sins. And God, I pray that you'd help me to live for you from now on and walk in fellowship with you and to love you and to obey you and, and just to remember, God, that you are faithful. Thank you for being my Savior. 
God, I just pray that you would just be with everybody as they head home today, that you would keep them safe, and bless them with a wonderful week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.